welcome to another episode of the Diz Explorers Podcast, where each week we explore the different avenues of the great Disney universe. Joining us this week, we have Adrian. Hello. And Milford. Hello. And Jessica. Hey, everybody. And Melanie. Hi, y'all. So, this week, we're going back to Disneyland, which we don't do quite as often as I'd like to, but (laughs) our dear Duchess recently took the Walk in Walt's Footsteps tour, which is something that I am very excited to do whenever I get out to Disneyland with my family. So I'm excited to hear about this. I don't think any any of our other members have done it, to my knowledge. Uh, I know Milford didn't do it when he was out there recently, so... Yeah, didn't have the time for that, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm going to... Uh, we're going to turn it over to Jessica and uh, hear all about Walking in Walt's Footsteps. Awesome. And A-plus for saying that without getting tongue-twisted, because I have a hard time sometimes. (laughs) They could not have picked a weirder name. Okay, so the Walk in Walt's Footsteps tour is a four-hour behind-the-scenes-ish tour of Disneyland. It's just in Disneyland, not in California Adventure. Um, And it's not really about, you know, the park's full history and development, and it's not purely about Walt. It's a it's kind of in the middle where the whole point of it is you're supposed to be walking in Walt's footsteps but seeing the park the way he envisioned it when he was first imagining it, designing it. So it's it's basically the the beginning and what he wanted it to be. Um so a couple of things about the tour before I talk about what you see. It is 4 hours. So Um, if it's something you're thinking about doing, it does take up half your day. That includes a meal, um, and you get to skip the line for two attractions, but it's still a very big chunk of your day. And then the other thing to keep in mind is that there's a lot of walking, so if you have any mobility issues, you should definitely get a wheelchair or, or scooter or whatever because you walk back and forth across the park a bunch of times, um, and it's pretty tiring. I'll explain just a little bit of what this tour entails. So you start actually um, on Main Street right in the center plaza and your tour guide will talk to you about Walt's original ideas for why he wanted to build Disneyland, um, kind of just where this idea came from and how he wanted it to feel. I guess the, the predominant thing was not so much what he wanted it to look like or what he wanted to physically be there, but really the feeling he wanted guests to have when they were there. Um, And one of the very cool things about this tour is that everybody gets a headset. So not only can you hear your tour guide really well, even in the noisy lands, but you actually hear audio clips of Walt. So on Main Street, you stand in the center plaza with the, the dedication plaque where he stood and you listen to his opening day dedication on the spot where he delivered it. So it's really cool because you kind of, you look at it today, but you're almost taken back in time. And that's kind of the idea of the whole tour. So you go through all of the original lands in Disneyland, which are Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, Frontierland, and Adventureland. And as you walk into each of those lands, you hear Walt's specific dedication for that land, which is very cool. And then your tour guide will tell you about what, what, what Walt wanted to see and feel in this area, 
why he chose um, this theme for a land and that kind of thing. And in my tour, the two attractions we got to cut the line for were It's a Small World and Alice in Wonderland. Cool. Um, and this changes seasonally, but generally speaking, the three that I've heard, or the, excuse me, the four that I've heard people do the most are Small World and Alice or The Haunted Mansion and Pirates. And I was super pumped about Small World and Alice because they always have crazy long lines. So it was really great to skip those. <laughs> and then after you go through the main lands, you also go to New Orleans Square because even though Walt didn't, he died right around the time that it opened. So he really didn't spend a lot of time there. It was kind of his last main project for Disneyland. So they'll talk about how dramatically Pirates and the Haunted Mansion changed because they were originally going to be like walk through wax museums and that kind of stuff. And for someone, even someone like me that spends a lot of time reading about Disneyland and learning about Disneyland, there was still a lot of information I didn't know. So it was very cool to get kind of this closer look at a place that I've become pretty familiar with. And so with with that, I would say that it's for a pretty specific audience because it's not that it's so much in the weeds trivia, but it's really about original intent and what Walt wanted. So if you don't care about that and you just kind of want to enjoy the park for what it is now, I'm not sure that you'd enjoy this tour because it's pretty nostalgic. Um, but if that's up your alley, it's perfect. So after you go on a couple of attractions, you watch Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln and you walk all around then you stop for lunch, which you pick upon check-in, and it's waiting for you at a reserve table, which is pretty cool. And then after lunch is the big highlight of the tour and the draw, the main reason people do this, which is a visit to the Dream Suite. And if you took this tour a couple of years ago, the special stop was Walt's apartment above the fire station. They nice. don't go there anymore, but there are rumors that they're going to resume doing that because they've gotten permits to build an elevator or something, but... For now, it's the Dream Suite. And for anybody that doesn't know, the Dream Suite was originally supposed to be an apartment for Walt and his family to stay in the park because his firehouse apartment was only 800 square feet and it was a studio. And the Dream Suite is 2,200 square feet and has two bedrooms. So it was supposed to be a better a space for him and his grandchildren to spend time in the park together. Of course, he died before it ever opened, so it became office space and now it is redone back to how they originally envisioned it as a, an apartment um, and you can't book it you can't stay there unless you win a random lottery that they do once in a blue moon I mean it's a very <laughs> rare thing they said because I asked they said celebrities can't stay there it's pretty unusual for Walt's grandchildren to stay there they said a lot of times they kind of use it as office space, when they were designing the decorations for Disneyland's 60th anniversary, they put all their storyboards in there. But it's pretty much kind of almost like a little museum. Nobody really stays there. And unfortunately, I don't really have pictures to show because they were adamant about a no-picture policy inside. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you a little bit about it. So when you walk in, you walk through this glass hallway that looks like an atrium. So you kind of feel like you're outside. And then there's two bedrooms, a master bathroom, and a living room. And each room has a theme and what they call a kiss goodnight. And what that means in the dream suite is that there's a button you push on the wall. And when you push that, something magical happens in the room. So in the Adventureland bedroom, which is the master bedroom, there's a painting of a lagoon over the headboard. 
and the kiss goodnight in that room is you hear all this jungle music all of a sudden and the the painting of the lagoon develops a waterfall and mermaids spring up from the water and then all over the walls you just see shadows of palm trees all of a sudden that's That's really cool freaking awesome it's so cool (laughs) but my favorite kiss goodnight was the master bathroom and the master bathroom is the fantasy land room in the suite so it's done up pretty similarly to what i've seen in the cinderella suite if you've ever seen pictures of that it had the same feel in disney world but their kiss goodnight is the bathtub which is in the center is between these archways and they play all this pretty harp music and the ceiling transforms into a starry night sky oh, nice. so it looks like you're outside it's so cool and then the second bedroom is the Frontierland bedroom. And this has a kiss goodnight and it has a painting above the fireplace. And if you flip off the light switch, it glows in the dark to show where the lights are in the park at night. Oh, wow. So you see all the streets lit up. It's, it's really cool. And the kiss goodnight is along the crown molding. A train turns on and it travels all the way around the room. Oh, that's badass. Yeah, and then the, the last room is the, the living room, which is kind of a mix of like a fantasy land and New Orleans Square theme. And in that room, when you do the kiss goodnight, there's a huge clock, a grandfather clock, and it strikes midnight, and then you see Cinderella shadow on it. There's a glass slipper on a shelf that starts lighting up and sparkling. And then there's a fake, well, it's a real fireplace, but it has fake flames, mm. and they shoot off fireworks. Oh, nice. So, like I said, I couldn't get pictures of this stuff with one exception. They were they took a photo of you in the living room. And I have that on my blog. I'll post it on our um, Diz Explorers page so you can see it. That's the only picture I was allowed to take. Oh, and so if you... One more thing. If you've been in there... Or, excuse me. If you've been in New Orleans Square and you look up, you can see that there's a little patio outside. And that's a balcony that is attached to the Dream Suite. And then there's, I learned this when I was there, there's also another hidden patio behind the bedrooms that in this enclosed courtyard. So there's kind of a surprising amount of outdoor space there. It's very cool. That's cool. And even though I couldn't take pictures inside, there was no rule about taking pictures as you leave. (laughs) And if you have ever been to Disneyland, you know that Pirates of the Caribbean is in this huge building and the, the line is downstairs, and then you kind of work your way up and then go into the first floor. And the dream suite is on the second floor, and then there are these grand, this grand staircase on either side that kind of swing down. And for anybody that saw video of Johnny Depp when he was at Disneyland, he was hanging out on a balcony and waving to people. Right. That's the balcony for the dream suite. Oh. So that's how you exit. Oh, that's awesome. You enter, you enter in a, a hidden elevator behind the pirate's queue, and then you exit from the balcony. So I have a bunch of pictures from the balcony that I will also post so that you can see. But So did you figure out where that was in association to where Club 33 is? Yes. So it's not connected directly, but I think that they share a kitchen for when they have guests there. Okay. So the the patio and one of the bedrooms in the dream suite is to, if you're facing the entrance to Club 33, it's to the left. Okay. So Hmm. I think they might share a wall, but to my knowledge, they're not connected. See, I'd heard the rumor that they share a kitchen. Yeah. Because I think the intent was for Walt to be able to kind of pass 
to Club 33 without being noticed. So they, I think there might be a hallway, but at least when I was in the Dream Suite, it wasn't, I couldn't see a way to sneak over to Club 33 or anything. But they're right next to each other. They're in the same area. And the patio, because didn't you say you um, went outside onto a balcony when you were in Club 33? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. walked out right out the, they're like, wooden double door or kind of like wooden accordion doors that opened up and you can walk out onto this patio that was about I don't know probably eight feet wide and they actually had yeah. tables set out there that you could sit at and eat as well okay if that's where I think it is it's right across the alleyway from the patio for um, the dream suite okay so they're right in the same area all right yeah and then when you finish the tour you get to walk down the grand staircase, which I was so excited about because I've stood under it waiting in line for pirates so many times. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, the tour costs $109 per person. And if you're an annual pass holder, you get a discount, which is a lot, but it includes lunch. It includes a button that says walk and waltz footsteps with your name on it and a collectible pin that is really heavy because it's got a door on it and the front says walk and waltz footsteps and then when you open it inside it has the text of his opening day dedication for Disneyland so you do get some goodies which is pretty cool and I think generally speaking I would say if you're a person that is really into Disney and you're into the trivia and kind of the story behind stuff and your goal is not necessarily to just run from ride to ride then you get a lot out of this tour, and I think it's a really cool experience. But if you're someone that's never been to Disneyland or you're only there for maybe two days, it is a huge chunk of time, so that's just something to think about. I don't know if anybody had any questions about about it or if you've done a similar tour in Disney World or something. Yeah, that's it's very similar to the the one in Walt Disney World is Keys to the Kingdom, it's called. My, my wife and I had done it when we went... September because I don't know about this one but in in Disney World you have to be 16 or older so no you don't have to be 16 or older but if you're under you have to be with someone who's 18 oh I gotcha yeah no this this I think it's 16 and older and that's it there's no no children and this one maybe because you go underground in Walt Disney World it's about a six hour tour and i believe though it was not as expensive i want to say it was under a hundred dollars with our with the dvc rate so i don't know what the rack rate was but i want to say with the with our discount it was only like 79 or 89 dollars it was like ridiculously cheap for what you get and it's the same yeah it's the same concept you're two you have your tour guide you have the radios there's nothing of Walt talking in that, though, so I'm glad that it's different in that respect because, obviously, Walt never saw Walt Disney World's finished product, so how could he you know, really know anything about each land? He never got to walk there. But it's very similar in the same thing, and they, you do get lunch and you pick it beforehand, so it's a very similar concept, and mm-hmm. the amount of information that they tell you is just insane. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know how... You know, we went to uh, you know a bunch of backstage. I know I talked about it on here. I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but you know, we went to a lot of backstage areas, tons of history and nostalgia, and you know, forced perspective things. And mm-hmm. you know, on Main Street, they went through not all the Imagineers and and special people on all the windows, but they did. You know, she explained how walking into the Magic Kingdom is like 
walking into a movie and how it's the set and you're, you only see certain things from certain angles because that's the way they wanted you to see it. You know, think of it like a curtain rising on a show. I can't remember her whole analogies, but when you're there and she's explaining it, you're like, holy crap, wow. Yeah. You never yeah, think definitely. of it in that sense. So I don't know how much in that they get into, you know, and then afterwards, you know, when we were done, people hung around and you asked her questions and, 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 he, and as along the way as well. But then, you know, afterwards, you know, probably another 20 minutes afterwards, you know, some people were taking pictures with her and because the particular guide we had, she was then leaving and going on like an extensive vacation with her family. And then when she got back, she was going to be in a different role of training new tour guides and not specifically giving tours herself. And she was a young girl. She was younger than my wife and ourselves. She was like in her mid twenties. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would think the way she told us the book that they have to learn is insane. The amount of Oh, I bet. Knowledge. Yeah. Oh, she said it's like a telephone book and they don't give yeah. them a lot of time to memorize it, to like test, to be a, a full on guide. It's insane. So, and I agree with you. It's not for somebody who, besides the timing, besides the amount of time that it takes to, to do these things, if you're not into any of that, then I don't, I wouldn't recommend it either. Yeah. Even if it's two and hours or four hours, because it's a lot of information. It's a lot of history, nostalgia, you know, behind the scenes things, some architecture and, you know, so you really got to be, you know, geeking out about that kind of stuff. I mean, I ate it up. I, I wish... I could have recorded the whole thing just so I can listen back to it and, and remember yeah. it. Cause I forgot far more than what I remembered coming out of the thing. Yeah. So. And the rack rate honestly... for the tour is 99. In, 99. in Disney world. It's okay. in Disney world. The rack rate is 99. So you're going to have to be into it to yeah. pay the money. So at least you're with other people who are, you know, paying the yeah. money and want to be there. But I so that's going to be part of the fun too. But for six hours for a hundred bucks, I know this, I mean, you have to get your park ticket and you have to go in the park and everything else. But if you think about what you're getting out of it and what you get to see and do for a hundred bucks, that's really not, I don't think it's that bad. I know some other people may think on top of paying to get in the park and getting down there, another hundred dollars per person to do some of these things is, is crazy. But six hours, a meal, Behind the scenes, you get same thing, two attractions. I forget which two we did. We did Haunted Mansion. I can't remember the other one. I want to say it was Pirates. And they same thing in Disney World. They do change it up, but it depends on it depends on the day and it depends on the tour guide. They can kind of pick which certain attractions they want to go on. Um, so which was really cool because like we went through like some secret entrance of Haunted Mansion and like back through like the crew quarters and then just like got on the ride <laughs> oh that's really cool yeah like we like got into the stretching room by not through the main front doors it was it was cool it was really really cool oh, wow yeah i would say i think that the the disneyland tour could have been even an hour shorter if they were just more efficient about where they were going i don't know if this is true for the key to the kingdom but we just kept bouncing back and forth and we didn't really finish one land before we'd hop to another and then we'd go back. So there was a lot of time just going from one destination to another. And I know I, I read reviews of the tour before I signed up for it and any that were negative, that was their complaint was it was too right. much time trying to get somewhere instead of just. So I think if they if they stuck to one land and finished everything, it right. could have been shorter. But at the same time. You do get to listen to more audio clips that way. So if you think that's cool, it kind of balances 
Right. Like we finished we finished the tour. We watched Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which is at the end of Main Street. Right. And then we walked to lunch, which was on the other end of Main Street, and they played on our audio set Feed the Birds because that was Walt's favorite Disney song. Right. So we walked down Main Street looking at the castle listening to his favorite song. And that was if you're into Disney history and Walt, that was a really cool thing to be going down you know, going toward his vision, listening to his favorite song. I don't know. It oh, just, yeah. it depends what you're interested in. I oh, think. definitely. Yeah. This one was definitely much more structured. It was heavy on main street stuff. Cause that's where you started. And you know how main street had changed and center street, which used to run across both sides before the huge emporium expansion on the left side, as you're walking up and it was heavy on that. And then the only land I want to say we didn't go into was New Fantasyland or Fantasyland or Tomorrowland, I don't think. Went through Adventureland into the Pirates area and things like that. Through Frontierland a little bit and then that's where we went backstage. And there was a lot of backstage. Went to, like I know I don't remember what episode I spoke to spoke about it on, but we went and saw where they store all the parade floats and we were behind Splash Mountain. You know, we saw where the garbage collection system is and you know, kind of took a break and hung out back there for a while until we were clear to go somewhere else. Uh, so there was a lot of backstage time. And then about an hour was below ground in the Utilidors. I mean, we probably walked through almost all of the Utilidors. I think she talked, took us dirt down through the main area and we were walked. This is where, you know, told us where we are. This is under the castle. You saw people in costuming. You know, she said this is where, you know, the... The princesses and stuff go up and down the elevators and come out through here and there for this stage show. It was like, it was ridiculous. So I guess if you think about it, you're probably only on stage, as they call it, for maybe half of it. You know, lunch was maybe a half hour. That was over in Tomorrowland, was the lunch. So, you know, I I, I honestly don't think they could have shortened it anymore, at least not the one in Walt Disney World, because there was just so much stuff to show. And see, so I'm surprised that the Disneyland one is not as structured and and not more heavily inform- informative. I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess they yeah. have, they have their reasons for it, but I was I was kind of surprised listening to you say about like I feel like you get more at at the Walt Disney World one. And next yeah, time, next, I, next time like- you're over here, you should. If you're here for a decent amount of time, I highly recommend you doing it because it would... I would love to. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I would definitely do it again. Even I know my parents have done it multiple times just because it's just that good. I mean, you know, as in if with anything else, you hope you have a good tour guide, but I can't imagine they're lackluster with this. It's pretty... She was The way she was explaining it to us is it's pretty... They don't just let anybody do it. It's, it's, you've got to be trained and you got to know your stuff. Besides what they show you, besides what you have to learn... You kind of have to be able to have a great knowledge of of the park and the history on your own as well. It seemed like when she was telling us about like the interview process of how to become a tour guide, like it wasn't just like memorize the book, go in and answer some questions. Like you had to you had to be your own person and put your own spin on it, so you didn't just sound like a robot talking about talking text out of a book. So right, it was pretty. Yeah, they definitely in Disneyland play up. You know, this is the this was his original vision. This is the only park he ever set foot in, and they really talk about his being there, his watching the crowds come in from his apartment. So that's not to say it wasn't informative, because I learned a lot about the development of different areas. But 
it's probably equal parts you know, a, a tribute to Walt himself as a person, and here's stuff to know about the park. Whereas it sounds like Keys to the Kingdom is much more, this is what's going on and how we do things and why it's cool and that kind of thing. Yeah, it seems like it's... Yeah, I I agree with you. It seems like that's the vibe they're going for in Disneyland, that that's, they're holding that above everything else. And as they should, I mean... Really, could you imagine if Walt actually ever walked in Walt Disney World, how much nut, how much geekier it would be for us East Coasters? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, seriously, I mean, people would, like, lose their minds. <laughs> Definitely, I think they I think they play on that factor big time over there, which is good. I mean, like, you know, they should. <laughs> so, I mean, and you definitely don't get to go in any, they don't take you in the Dream Suite or anything else here. And as far, to my knowledge, it's the same criteria to ever get a chance to stay in it. I think it's just some random contest. And when or how they do it, I don't even think... I remember lots of people asking her, and she wasn't even positive on how... What the, what the criteria is to get to stay there now. It's the same deal. You can't just, like, call up and, you know, be a celebrity or somebody famous and, like, oh, I'll put, you know, umpteen thousand dollars down to stay there. It just doesn't work that way. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, anybody out there in Disneyland who wants to get a little bit of history and get that nostalgic feeling while walking through the park, then sounds like that's a win-win situation. And how, how big was the group of people you were with? They said that the max that they would do per group was 20, and I think mine was probably 15. So it's it's a sizable group, Yeah, yeah. which is another reason why the he- you really need the headset because oh, when, when you're in Tomorrowland and Fantasyland, you can't hear anything. So it's it's super helpful. And if you don't want to use the little clip that they have, you can bring your own earbuds and just plug it into the system too. Oh, right. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, they had that too. I don't remember anybody having their own, but yeah, that little ear clip they give you is kind of funky. It's kind of big and dopey. <laughs> I want to say the groups were the same size for ours too. I think we probably had about 15 people in ours, 12 to 15 if I recall. Very nice. Other news is of late, I guess, is all the uh, Pandora soft openings that have come and previews and, and things of that nature. And I know Miss Adrian is going to be heading down there for this upcoming weekend, which is the weekend of the 19th, 20th, and 21st of May. Yeah, I'll be there on the 19th, which is also when... Oh, how do you pronounce his last name? Joe... Rody. Rody. yes. He's going to be there doing, like, personal tours on that same day, so I'm kind of just hoping to see him out of the corner of my eye, at least. That's <laughs> awesome. He answered a tweet that I asked a question with somebody else the earlier in the week uh, over the weekend which was pretty cool that is pretty cool which i think he does a lot he is very interactive on instagram i know with all his art pictures and stuff and there was a picture in nomad lounge a buddy of mine was hanging out there and he took a picture of it and asked joe Rody where it was taken or what it was and he answered him back sometime later and i was like oh i was really cool i was like where is this and then, you know, whatever, an hour or so later, he had answered both of us back again as to where he was pretty sure it was where he was when he took the picture. So I was like, oh, I was like, cool, thank you. <laughs> so, but I know he is very, he is one of those Imagineers that does answer people back. There actually is quite a few because I follow three or four of them. And some of them are very interactive, like at least on Twitter. Uh, a couple of them are on, on uh, 
Instagram as well with with some of their artwork and their personal sketches too, which is always which is great. But it is cool to have conversations with some of them on on Twitter, especially some of the the retired ones that that put out older pictures of the parks like during construction and especially some of the Epcot stuff which I always geek out about but that stuff's always fun for me to learn about all that history stuff so if you're if you're into that type of thing there is definitely a bunch of good imagineers to to go and follow on social media so which you would think they they would limit and restrict you know like the Disney company but I guess you know their personal account is their personal account as long as they're not talking about current business and things of that nature the other thing we're going to mention quickly, we were chatting the other night just about some cruise bookings, I guess, that were opening up for the new season. So I know I'm not familiar with that stuff, but I guess there's a, <laughs> a tiered system or certain days for certain club levels. I don't know. It was kind of like going to the, <laughs> it is, it was kind of like going to the jewelry store if you were platinum, it's not gold, a new system silver. per se. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a new way they're doing it where the Castaway Club, which is Disney Cruise Line's loyalty program, Castaway Club, they're allowing for new bookings because today we're recording this episode on May 15th, and today is the day where the platinum level cruisers can begin booking for the fall 2018 cruising season. So that's quite a bit of ways away, but that's how booking seasons go with Disney Cruise Line. So if you have taken 10 cruises or more, if you've completed 10 cruises, you are a platinum member of the Castaway Club. If you've completed five cruises or more, you are considered gold, and you can begin booking tomorrow or May 16th for the fall 2018 itineraries. And the silver Castaway Club members, and that is anybody who has even taken one Disney cruise before, you are a silver member of Disney's Castaway Club, and you can begin booking on Wednesday the 17th. And those are all by phone, and that's where having that Disney travel agent in your corner comes in handy because they can wait on the phone for you instead of you waiting on the phone. Holla. Holla. Um, yes. <laughs> absolutely. The Everybody else, if you've never gone on a Disney cruise before or you prefer online booking, that opens for everybody on Thursday the 18th. And I'm looking forward to that because I like getting in because I, I geek out over the cruise stuff. I geek out over manipulating fares for different areas of the ship and which rooms are going to be more cost effective and how to break up a family, not like really break them up, break them up into different rooms <laughs> to see how, <laughs> how to break I'm, up. A I'm, a, I'm a home wrecker. I am on a Disney mm-hmm. cruise. Depending on I'll how put you some in a veranda room. I'll <laughs> stick some on an inside room. You know, it's all good. But the bookings for the 2000 fall season, 2018 fall season are, underway for those platinum cruisers the big news is is that this year or this in this new season that disney is sailing to bermuda for the first time Ooh. so there'll be some sailings to bermuda from new york to, from new york oh, man. and to quebec city oh nice so quebec's yeah. getting in on the disney cruise line itinerary so that's going to be pretty exciting to see what they have in store as far as port adventures for both of those. Because with Bermuda, they're going to be in port for multiple days. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the port adventures are going to be for those. And the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. You're going to go on a find lost stuff mission. 
I have a feeling there'll probably be something thematic that'll play into a little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> they have to acknowledge that somehow, because that's got to be on everybody's mind anyway. It's the big elephant so. in the room. I would think so. So I'm yeah, sure they'll play Quebec that up a City little bit. Thing, that Quebec City thing looks interesting, because you have to come down the St. Lawrence Seaway a pretty good distance to get Absolutely. to Quebec City. So that should be pretty cool. That really, I, I do like those cruises that are close to land, where you get to see a lot of scenery. Right. Now, and that's good for those who are prone to seasickness when you're that close to land. It's usually calmer waters. Hmm. You know, if they're going to go that far, they ought to just put a boat in the St. Lawrence Seaway and sail out of Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Toronto. Fun, fun. That would be cool. We could have our own river cruise. <laughs> I wouldn't... Well, Disney, especially with Adventures by Disney, Disney is partnering with some river cruise lines. I wouldn't be surprised if those vacations sell well if Disney wouldn't just go ahead and build their own river cruise boat or two. Because they have, sort of like back in the day when they played around with having their characters on the big red boat, the big red ship or whatever that was way back when Mm -hmm. in the the 80s you know they are partnering with these other cruise lines to or these river cruise lines to have adventures by Disney cruises so if that goes well who knows what we'll see Hmm. I wonder if I would be interested in it I wonder if they would not that they have a ban on it but I wonder if they would have any sort of besides bingo gambling on those river boat cruises because that's what they're known for even more than cruise ships big gambling on those things well in the states yes but in in europe i mean those boats are so small Uh, they don't have you know Uh, that's true but with the saint lawrence seaway you're thinking i mean you're talking about a seaway that they sail four ships down those things Mm -hmm. are huge yeah right they're a lot bigger than a cruise ship so there's no reason why they couldn't take a cruise ship down the St. Lawrence Seaway. Hmm. So. Interesting. For the fall bookings, fall 2018, when does that, what does that technically mean? Like September? Mid-September through basically the end of the year. In fact, there, the is end of the year. One, there is one peekaboo cruise into 2019 there is one it's on the wonder of the magic i can't remember actually there's two because there's two new year's cruises well i mean there's one that's completely 2019 it it embarks on january 3rd oh okay there's one january 3rd cruise that's actually been released and it's it's on one of the classic ships i can't recall off the top of my head i'll have to dig through the itineraries but i was kind of excited to see that it it actually embarked in 2019 Hmm. so it's all the way through next year so get your calendars out get ready to book now i assume that includes the specialty cruises for halloween and christmas christmas time or no it well it will but those specific sailings have not been notated there's no notation on any of these itineraries when the Halloween on the High Seas cruises will be when the Marvel Day at Sea cruises will be, the ones that go out of New York. Right. Well, some of them were out of Miami, not here, but this is specifically for a fall, so that would be out of New York or the Very Merry Time cruises. Wow. So if 
that has not been released for 2018. But it, historically, any cruise after Labor Day and all the way up to and including Halloween will be a Halloween on the high seas cruise. Okay. Any cruise after Halloween and all the way through Christmas Day is going to be a very Merry Christmas cruise or very Merry Time cruise. Right. Gotcha. So you're, so, and there are a few exceptions. Yeah, there were a few sailing. exceptions last year with the magic didn't start up Halloween cruises until the last right. week, the last weekend in September. Exactly. There, there are exceptions depending on itineraries and which ships are just going to do what. Yeah. But, but for historically but, speaking, especially with the larger ships, you can kind of count on September, you know, from Labor Day till Christmas Day, it's the holidays. <laughs> Yeah, right. the dream and fantasy for sure. Absolutely. Magic and wonder, it's kind of always up in the air. It depends on what they're coming off of. And sometimes they're coming you... off of 10-day cruises that... Exactly. So... And with those, with the magic at least, you have the possibility of combining a Halloween on the high seas cruise with a Marvel Day at Sea. So, you never know. I thought you were going to say... Uh... Halloween with Christmas like you start out and it's Halloween and by the time you get back it's Christmas <laughs> I think <laughs> you imagine? Well, it's not like it, and they could potentially do that because it's not like Walt Disney World or Disneyland where it takes days sometimes weeks to transform certain parts of the parks the right. decorations are pretty limited to the atrium and then touches here and there throughout the ship and I mean touches it's very understated it's not like Halloween is in your face right, everywhere right. you go <laughs> Christmas is not in your face everywhere you go so they they don't need as much time to transform from one holiday to the next it really shouldn't take more than a few hours with the exception of the gingerbread house I really don't know how they built that so otherwise, just with the decorations, I, that could probably be done in a number of hours. We saw a show where it was on one of the network on one of the travel networks two years ago. Mm-hmm. They actually build that gingerbread house on the ship, and then they roll it out to the lobby. So oh. they don't actually build it in place. Okay, so it can be done so, behind the scenes. Oh yeah. They've got room there to do go. that. I would bet you might see the fantasy with that this year. See, Halloween ended on a weekend last year. This year it ends on a Tuesday. And so that's mid-that's midweek. Tuesday. So there's a good possibility. Never know. It's probably billed as a Halloween on the high seas cruise because you can't double bill it. Just yeah. the naming of it. But they yeah. will probably see some Christmas things once Halloween is over. Yep. That'd hmm. be fun. That will be fun. I would imagine. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Milford, did you want to put another plug out for your Indianapolis meet? Oh, yeah. We talked about it last week, but uh, we have a Indianapolis, we call it the Indy Disney meet, coming up in August this year. If you're going to be in the Indianapolis area, right here in my town of Noblesville, Indiana, at our fairgrounds, on August 26, 2017, the 10th anniversary Indy Disney Meet. Um, it is a fundraiser for Give Kids the World, which is the organ, which is the organization in Florida that facilitates a lot of the Make a Wish Foundation trips for kids to Disney World. So, 
We've got a lot of cool things going to happen. Yeehaw Bob, which is the guy that does performances at the Port Orleans Resort, River Roost oh, Lounge, is oh. going to be here. Uh-huh. Yeehaw Bob. Uh-huh. Yes. We've got Herbie the Love Bug going to be here this year. We have a bigger hall. We're actually doubling the amount of space we have, so there will actually be... And then there will also be a kids' hall. So they actually shove all the kids over into a room. Somebody watches all the kids. And the adults go over in the other room and have fun. So, uh, it is a carry-in, so they ask everybody to bring a either a sweet or savory dish, chicken, beef, whatever you want to bring. Uh, and they will also have a Dole Whip machine on site. Nice. So, kids' activities will include a they'll do they'll have toys and they'll have a crafts and a face painting. Uh, they've also got a guy coming in to be a DJ and play Disney music for them. They'll probably play a couple movies. Last year, I think they played Big Hero 6 in the hall for them. Uh, they have princesses from Once Upon a Princess, Indiana. Uh, the two girls that came last year were, I mean, drop-dead duplicates of Anna and Elsa. So that nice. was pretty cool. We have the guys from the uh, 501st Legion. So those of you that don't know what the 501st Legion is, that is a, actually it's a worldwide organization that does philanthropic uh, activities for children's hospitals and stuff, but they all dress up in uh, Imperial costumes from Star Wars. They also have- yeah, Those guys are awesome. Oh yeah, yes. they are way awesome. They certainly are. The one guy with his R2M5 will be there. It's a- Knock off R2-D2. And we will actually also be recording a live podcast from there. Uh, I'm going to be a part of the recording that we do with uh, the Be Our Guest podcast. Oh, Mike Rallman. Yeah, Mike. And I will also be recording there for our podcast as well. There's a website I will post. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it has a lot of pictures from last year's event. Uh, they raised... I want to say close to $13,000 last year for Give, Give Kids the World. So wow, nice. It's a very uh, very good organization, and we actually have our own 501c3 here uh, that's Magical Wishes for Kids that is what runs this Disney meet. So there's that. And, shameless plug, if you're looking to book a Disney cruise or a Disney trip, go ahead and give me a call. My, my information is in the show notes. And uh, we can get you set up with uh, wherever you want to go. Very good. Absolutely. You had me at Yeehaw Bob. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, they said he was coming. I'm like, oh, oh my God, that's way cool. He is amazing. For those of you who don't know, he's a, the piano man who plays, what is it called? The Rooster? River Roost Lounge. River Roost Lounge. River Roost Lounge over at Port Orleans Riverside. He is amazing. Yeah. I've seen him many times. Never, never disappoints. Definitely good to have your kids in the other room so that you can just sit back and enjoy. Yeah. yeah have you oh, and the other thing is, there'll be a silent auction. They get all kinds of Disney stuff donated. So there's oh, a fun. silent auction. They do a 50-50 raffle. Everybody that gets there gets a raffle, a door prize ticket. And you can buy additional ones. And I, I think last year they gave away close to close to $1,500 or $2,000 in Disney gift cards and other miscellaneous donated Disney stuff, so. Beautiful. Fine. It's a good time. I go, I've been involved with it for 
most of the 10 years. There might be one or two year there I didn't make it. Awesome. All right. So definitely if you're in the area or anywhere within that area or you feel like jumping on a flight, go out there and support Give Kids to the World. They are definitely a great organization, and I know they do help as much as they can with uh, Make-A-Wish and, and helping uh, sick or disprivileged children uh, get to Disney World with their families and, and enjoy you know, however length of time that they're there at the parks, but they definitely, uh, I do see pictures a lot that people post from, the, especially through the 501st and through Mike Rahman, who I follow both on Twitter, and it's he's definitely mm-hmm. involved in it a lot. I know he does a lot of stuff for them, too, uh, through his podcast, but yeah. yeah, it's definitely a good thing. It's awesome to hear stuff like that, so. Okay, and with that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. We thank you for listening. I hope everybody's been able to download our easily in our transition uh, over to the new Podbean server. Everything should be smooth sailing at this point now. If not, drop us a line on any of the social media platforms or right on our website, and we'll uh, try to help you out if you're still having problems downloading or if you're having issues getting back episodes. So, and you can yeah, and if there's a service you're using that we're not on, let us know as well because we can obviously get it added. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, I think we have most of them covered. Head on over to thedizexplorers.com on the World Wide Web, and you can find links there to all our other social media platforms for the podcast. You can find links for all our troopers and for all our own personal accounts as well on all the social media platforms. And you can download us on Podbean now, Google Play, iTunes as always, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, and we are also on YouTube for audio only. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you another time. It was rough last week when I rambled on my stupid trip report the whole time. I got done towards the end, and my glasses were both full because I didn't stop to take a drink. <laughs> I had a, so I had a warm beer at the end of yapping for an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. I so what happens when I go away for a week? Well, you weren't there. Adrian wasn't there. So just poor Milford and Jessica had to listen to me. <laughs> or Milford and Chris. We had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Milford and Melanie got to hear me on Friday. I wasn't letting them go without. With no. Stupid thing. It kept going off and going off. I'm like, what the hell do they keep calling for? I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> I was up at my parents and I was running the kids everywhere. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm answering it this time. That's it.
<laughs> we were watching the Did you forget what you were doing that? Show. I didn't forget you were doing it, but I, either your connections kept lo- it just cuz it kept it it was like three times. I had like three missed Skype calls before it, I picked up. So I was just we trying wanted to wonder. Clearly. We needed somebody on there who likes fireworks. It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) And yet you're the one who watched it. I know. I am such a bah humbug when it comes to fireworks. Uh, I really am. Okay, about to edit this back on. So I got back. I'm I'm back on track here. So Okay. 